Are you guys all ready or what? You got your notes or whatever the fuck we're I, talking about? I got some words written down. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> your resignation letter from the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Next to F1 highlights, I wrote, don't care. <laughs> Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, it was our fault. We made a mistake. Spider said it was clear. I wasn't clear, and, you know, I, I didn't want to tear my car, tear his car up either. I respect everybody, and I demand respect. And, you know, I apologized to the guy when he came over the car, explained to him what happened, and then he took it to another level when he started calling me an idiot and whatever else. And I don't appreciate that. I'm not going to take it. I told him how I feel. I called him out. He didn't show. You know, and so, you know, I'm good with it. He's good with it, but I'm not going to be disrespected by no means. Yeah, I guess uh, I had a dinner date at Applebee's last night that I didn't find out until it was too late. It's a shame love their riblets and boneless wings, but... Uh... Folks, well, welcome back to Applebee's. Uh, we're back, we are refreshed, and we are excited to talk about Formula One, my favorite, our favorite motorsport. <laughs> uh, it's Brian again uh, with Ashley and Rob, as always. Folks, how are we doing this week? Oh, doing pretty good. Just a big Grand Prix weekend that we all watched together. <laughs> How about you, True Love? <laughs> yeah, just up at one in the morning the other night all together. <laughs> you know what's fun what? though is I I talk so much shit about that race and there's no way I'm staying up for that. But uh, do you know what finished up right before F1 started? Was that fucking not cars tour race at Florence that I fell asleep on my couch trying to watch because it took like nine hours to finish. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say that. So I, I mean, I guess we'll we'll jump right into it because that's the main subject of this this news segment. But uh, yeah, sat, that Saturday night and technically it was Sunday morning for for Rob and I, and I guess Ashley it would have been you know Sunday morning too for you know, <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Georgia's yeah. a different time zone. <laughs> I so yeah the Cars tour I had that on. Um, there was also wrestling that night. Uh, so I, I was like up trying to pay attention and watch this shit, but I still nodded off. Um, I woke up, I think after the race had started, maybe four or five laps in, watched about a lap and a half. And I was like, that's enough. And just dozed back off. That was all I needed to see. Um, and the, yeah, the, the, I, I, the Grand Prix. Same. Yeah. The Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know. Well, I guess, I guess I know where to begin with this because yes, the finally, the long awaited Las Vegas Grand Prix happened. And, uh, you know, I, for, for a one level F1 hater as such as myself, uh, the weekend started off great with, uh, you know, a manhole pothole cover thing, uh, (laughs) popping off and, and ruin somebody was it whose car was it? Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz from Ferrari. Carlos yeah, he, yeah, ruining his car and then F1. Such pe- peak Ferrari bad luck right there. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and out of then, all the people for it to happen to, of course it was that fucking guy. But and then F1 had the balls to penalize this guy because he had to fix his car with parts that like weren't <laughs> part of the normal approved parts to fix. Whatever the fuck dumb rule they have. Um, yeah, well it's it's like NASCAR. If you go to a backup or change the power unit or do a particular changes on the car, you do have to go to the back of the grid. Uh, they gave him a 10 grid uh, place penalty for that. But, you know, NASCAR does a lot of the same shit, though. So, But how often is it like a, a force of nature or whatever you want to call it like this, where it's I, not just something breaking? You know, I think the one, uh, the closest comparison as far as NASCAR is concerned that I can think of was, I want to say it was the Daytona 500 in 2000. 14 or 15 and Casey Kane went down pit road to try and avoid an accident 
it was a huge, huge wreck, and he uh, dove onto pit road, and he got a pit road speeding penalty for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so well, okay, that's 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 I, fair. I but... gotta appreciate them if they're gonna have a rule, they fucking stick to it. But you would hope that there's some sort of change that will come out of that because that was pretty. Uh, Pretty insane, and a several million dollar uh, mistake on their part. Though it's not the first time this shit has happened at street courses. I'm honestly surprised it didn't happen in Chicago. Uh, but it has happened at Monaco. It happened in Baku. It's happened in the past. Uh, it happened in that movie Driven. Uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and Jimmy Bly were sucking the the manhole covers out of the ground at the uh, big gala. So you know, well, yeah, that to 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 uh, you know. Compared to Chicago, uh, I think that was one mis- misconception that I had as a fan. I thought it was because of the weight of the cars. I didn't realize it was because of the suction of the air, the downforce. So yeah, it can be both. Whatever, but yeah, it it, it is what it is. But uh, speaking of wasting money, um, <laughs> continuing on to the, the did you the gamble debacle. on this race? No, no, no. There was zero <laughs> game. I cashed out. I cashed out all of my winnings with Blaney. There was zero betting. I want no part of this bullshit. Uh, I'm talking more about the money wasted by the fans that got to see eight whole minutes of action. Now, oh yeah, this is going to be. Those I think tickets for that day. Does I don't know? even know, but they were hundreds of dollars, and this yeah. is going to be really my my the start of my complaints with F1 as as a sport that really just fucking hates its fans it almost seems like so buckle in folks people paid hundreds of dollars to watch practice you know how much it fucking costs to watch nascar cup series practice usually like 15 dollars, if that you have the time it's free if you have a season t- a weekend ticket you just go in there people paid yeah. hundreds of dollars to watch cars take practice laps and they didn't even get to fucking see that because of how late they started that that i don't know if it was uh I feel like they said something about fire marshal, or maybe it was so a they, new they, thing. But they scrapped the session uh, because they had to fix the track. So yes, and they extended the length of uh, uh, practice too, which they pushed the start up to like two thirty in the morning or something like that. But and it, it was a there. it was it was because it was a union thing with the security. They couldn't hold them there any longer because there was no security that was available. And I don't think Formula One wanted to pay out the overtime rate or whatever it was or something like that. So they they kicked everybody out. There was no sound ordinance. It wasn't anything like that. It was purely a a security issue. And uh, unfortunately, the fans are the one who... uh, uh, Footed the bill for that, I guess. Of course. Now, Now, NASCAR, when stuff like this happens, like say, for instance... You know, the race gets rained out. Well, of course, the race, the tickets are good for the next day. If a fan, you can't come back to to, uh, to go to the rain delayed race. Most tracks, you'll get a, a ticket for the next year's event. Uh, F1, you think you'd maybe get a refund or something like that? No, you got a $200 voucher for merchandise that was already marked up more than double what it usually double, was marked yeah. up. Physically done this, folks. They scratched out and rewrote. <laughs> price tags on all the merch at the tracks that was double what it originally was listed for you can buy half a sharpie yeah you can buy half a red bull t-shirt with 200 bucks so f1 didn't even apologize they didn't even use the words we're sorry for this happened they literally just like oh this is what happens here's a voucher so that that was the the actual grand prix organizers themselves not formula one uh whatever f1 f1 apologized by handing out a penalty uh to carlos (laughs) (laughs) as the fi is known to do yeah So all this to say, I just I I really don't understand 
how fans can tolerate this and i and maybe it's just because it's it's still such a newly popular thing in america all these fans again that don't go to other motorsports events and don't understand how like most other motorsports uh sanctioning bodies treat their fans and put on actual good shows for their audience um fans are just okay with this and they'll just deal with it i don't fucking know but um between all this shit that happened at the track and then F1 themselves kind of almost hedging their bets with their viewership by, you know, starting the race so late that, again, it started the next morning uh, for half the country. And, you know, again, this was 6 a.m. in the UK. So I don't understand either side of that. Yeah, I, I feel like it was almost just there was no winning. There was almost no time slot other than if you actually tried to book the race for the U.S. fans where the race actually was fucking happening. I mean, that's the to me would have made the most sense. I, I know part of it also was shutting down part of the streets or something for traffic in Vegas. But yeah, again, when you've got miles of downtown shut off already, traffic's already fucked. You, you've already lost that battle. Like just put on an event that makes sense yeah the, the start time definitely had me scratching my head because again i say i'm not going to stay up late to watch a race like that even though i fucking did uh <laughs> you know because uh, you can't have a late model race in the south uh or a midget event in california without the a main rolling off at like you know 14 a.m or whatever so <laughs> yeah so for the for the very fall small uh, faction of fans that was that were watching both uh, the Cars tour and F one, the crossover there was probably about sixty eight people. Yeah. Um, you know, you 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 kind of blend blended one uh, race into the other. So I guess that that really is the majority of my gripes because uh, when it came to the actual race itself, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's what everybody says. Now here's what I'll say about this first. Um, yeah, it was a great race, but that sure as fuck was a NASCAR first first turn, wasn't it? As far as I'm concerned, yeah. how many cars <laughs> smashed into each other in the first turn? Like, you guys want to shit on you F1 fans want to shit on NASCAR? Well, go go check your boys. Um, I know, I know, it's because of the cold tires and all that nonsense. Um, well, I was that, that's what I was gonna say. It's funny that that race ended up being one of the better ones of the year, and it's amazing what happens when you take away grip from race cars. All of a sudden. And they get racy and it gets interesting yeah I, you know i I'll, I'll admit i watched the highlights and i guess it seemed fine it still to me was wasn't even as half as good as your average indy car race but um oh no god no of course not for f1 fans i guess they got what they wanted and it'll be happening again next year and hopefully next year they they solve all of these issues that they had all weekend um Again, I, I was I was hoping for more of a shit show. I, I got enough of a shit show uh, Thursday and Friday though, so that at least entertained me. Um, <laughs> you got your end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I got I got what I wanted out of it in, in a sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, what else do you guys think about this? I mean, this I weekend? it's easy to shit on Formula One and Liberty Media and all that for uh, putting the spectacle first. You know, and that was the sort of the crux of Max Verstappen's uh, complaints. And he was running his fucking mouth all weekend. And it was awesome. <laughs> Just, I mean, you kind of can do that when you win every race. What are they going to yeah, do? Exactly. Can't take the championship away. Yeah. It was sewn up three weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with everything you had to say. And I think that's something that NASCAR should be taking a look at as they try and expand their footprint. Uh, and as they try and like sort of, uh, I want to say, right the ship necessarily but as they you know move forward into the next generation of uh, whatever nascar is going to be that they make sure that the on-track product and 
is the centerpiece of everything and not the show around it. And I think that was Max's big complaint was that, yeah, we have all this pomp and circumstance and we got celebrities being shot out of cannons and fucking, you know, laser Floyd happening and all that <laughs> bullshit. But then, you know, the, the track's coming apart. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, like, it, it's a Formula One race, so what should be the centerpiece of this whole thing is the actual Formula One race. Same with NASCAR. And, you know, I think that, you know, both NASCAR and F1 both got pretty lucky with these American street race uh, experiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami was good this year, too, for those standards. So, um, yeah, I I would hope that this is a sort of uh, learning, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A teachable moment. That's That's the phrase I'm looking for. A teachable moment for these sanctioning bodies to realize that they really need to put the racing first and the spectacle. You can do whatever the fuck you want around it, but as long as you're putting your number one focus on the on-track action, then we're good to go. And I think that Formula One and NASCAR both got very, very lucky by having low-grip conditions on their racetracks, courtesy of uh, our boy JC, Jesus Christ, God, up top. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Weatherman, you know. It was pretty funny watching all those folks out there in the big parkas and shit, and it was like 50 degrees. It looked like a fucking Florida late model race. You know, everyone's all bundled up and shit. But Man, I'm telling you, cold in the South is a different cold. As someone who, who's lived in both, uh, you know, both uh, live, you know, weather conditions, whatever you want to call it, uh, there is something about a, a 40-degree day uh, when it's way more humid than it is in the Northeast that yeah. it, it chills you in a different way. It's weird. Yes. That is true. Yeah. Uh, True Love, do you have any notes about Formula One? I, I um, feel like you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we mentioned earlier in my notes, I wrote F1 highlights, uh, don't care. <laughs> so I <laughs> I was like, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to watch this race. I fell asleep on the couch at 1030 that night. Yeah, didn't even, so. <laughs> didn't even make it to pre-race. <laughs> <laughs> So I woke up later, like three laps in, and I just, I just didn't, I just didn't care. So I, I went to bed. Yeah, but, that was, yeah, definitely yeah. a highlight race for me or a uh, next day affair. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just could, I didn't, I just didn't care. But <laughs> my favorite thing with every, this has become my favorite thing with every F1 race I watch, is after the race, the cool down room that they do, just seeing those drivers like the top three drivers fresh out of the car and being forced into a room alone together. Great. (laughs) Yeah. But in this one, they forced them into the back of a luxury car, all sitting together. Yeah. They're like in the back of a three series. (laughs) (laughs) Took a little drive to the Bellagio. And that was so funny to me. I wish they would stick uh, NASCAR drivers in the same room like that. If there's one thing I would take from formula one, it would be the podium (laughs) and that lead up to the podium. Uh, yeah. So good. Can you imagine just Denny Hamlin in there with uh, whoever he's pissed off that week? Ross Chastain. After just wrecking Kyle Larson. <laughs> yeah, his crazy eyes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this, now this is the perfect. Yeah, it's the perfect, perfect segue <laughs> to bring out Denny because Denny was at the race. Yeah, his uh, Missy Elliott pants and shit. <laughs> he was so Denny. Okay, okay so. One thing that was mentioned in the media was how much more fashionable F1 fans are compared to NASCAR fans and people dress up and it's not just t-shirts and whatever that NASCAR fans and other motorsports fans Oh, and dress up they do. (laughs) I mean, okay. I I brought up this point on on Twitter. 
you know, Denny Hamlin was there wearing jeans both nights that I'm sure were, you know, in the three to four figures each, but they both looked like dog shit. But at night one, he was wearing <laughs> these awful jeans that were, looked they were all patched up and just oh, yeah. looked bad. And then the next night he was wearing jeans that had fucking chain link screen printed on them. They were like acid washed jeans with ch- and, and again, like snow pants. <laughs> it looked like fishnet stockings to me. It did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, here, here's here's my thing when it comes to fashion, and uh, you know I don't I do not consider myself a fashionable guy, even though I sell vintage clothing. I wear the same fucking Levi's five elevens and a t shirt every day, all I wear. Um, but in saying that, Sam, just, be- preach. Just, <laughs> preach. just because something is expensive and has like a designer name on it doesn't mean it's good looking, doesn't mean exactly. it's fashionable. That just means you have the money to buy stupid shit that other people can't. Like Balenciaga yeah. clothing is some of the ugliest garments I've ever seen in my life, but people pay thousands of dollars to wear fucking stupid, uh, you know, uh, terry cloth, towel print fucking uh, <laughs> skirts and, you yeah. know, shoes that looked like they were made in 1992 like just yeah. because shit is expensive and fashionable doesn't mean it's actually good looking yeah. and, I don't, and denny is is a was the prime example of this yeah well, that's not his name use his proper name dennis it's, it's De- marshmallow, dennis. James. marshmallow james marshmallow james <laughs> <laughs> was that jenna fryer who said that on twitter <laughs> yes. marshmallow james <laughs> i think this is a prime example of uh I don't mean to like body shame or make fun of someone's appearance, uh, but we're already halfway into this and I'm going to take a (laughs) shot at Denny here. Uh, When Lewis Hamilton shows up looking ridiculous and it looks kind of slick still, that's because he's a fit, good looking, like model type guy, right? He's perfectly in shape. He's built, it's custom made for him. Those clothes were probably designed for him. He's got an eye for it. Dennis just looks like he manages a Best Buy. (laughs) And now he's got these fucking weird ass pants on. It just doesn't look right. He needs to, I don't think anyone's helping him get dressed. I think he's picking it out (laughs) himself, but maybe you should talk to Lewis about getting the fit done right or something <laughs> so I'll, go go look back at denny's early years in nascar Fucking look at that please, boy please look just look at those pictures yeah look at that, that boy <laughs> and see where he's at now and just that that is a completely different human being that money and uh i'll say quote unquote fame because he's denny hamlin he's not actually that famous he's nascar famous which is its own thing, but he's also friends with Michael Jordan now, and having that association will help see, turn you into. You've never seen MJ guys. out there looking like an idiot like that. He's a super. Oh guy, right? no 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 no! Am I wrong? There, MJ had some fits back in the day. Yeah. He 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 had some moments like he. I'm sure you've all seen those pictures of of Hulk Hogan wearing Jenkos. My MJ <laughs> had a couple of those moments too. Oh, like you, yeah. you gotta look for them, but they're out there. So. Uh, well, the know. 90s were hard on all of us. <laughs> yeah, so. it was a transitional period for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he who have not worn Jenko's cast the first stone. <laughs> uh, or cast the first so, stone wash, if I want to make that a pun. Oh my God. There you go. <sighs> so I feel like that wraps up the F1 nonsense. We, we almost, said, almost, almost. You, what, what else? What else we got? Well, there was that stray tweet that came out from like the some Vegas Twitter account, a non racing related account, uh, indicating that maybe the Formula One Grand Prix in Vegas next year will be moved up to October to a different. Oh date. yes. And I think it was the 18th to the 20th, which also happens to be the same weekend as the NASCAR playoff weekend in Vegas. Which would be, I don't know if I read this as sort of a let's make 
Vegas, the motorsports capital of the world for a single weekend. Because uh, you ostensibly could go to both races, and if it was affordable, affordable, it'd be amazing to do that. Can you imagine that shit? Seeing both a cup yeah. race and a Formula One race in the same day, that would be, that's never been done before, and it's yeah. impossible to pull off pretty much anywhere else. Like it'd be fucking awesome if you could do it. Too bad it would cost, uh, you know, fucking four hundred thousand dollars to do. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it's that or if it's them trying to take it to NASCAR in their own backyard. That's what it feels like. To me. I feel knowing Liberty, that's probably what it is. But uh, uh, I guess I just kind of shared my opinion on it. That's something I'd love to do if it was affordable. But uh, what would you what do you guys think? I mean, if it was affordable, that would be a bucket list item just to say that you did it. But... Can you imagine rolling out of Andy Newsom's tent in the infield at <laughs> Vegas and just heading on down to Vegas to ride an escalator to watch Formula One cars? <laughs> Yeah, big old slab of spam <laughs> and a plastic sack. <laughs> With your $135 shoey cocktail that they're selling. Oh, I the the only way that sounds fun to me is if the F1 portion of the day is a complete escapade fiasco, wild goose chase to fucking get into chaos. Like I would not want to go there just to try to watch fucking cars on an escalator. I'd have to get into some weird shit for it to be worth my time yeah. cuz I think I've made my my uh, feelings known about F1 at, at this point. So yeah, just the spectacle of seeing it. I don't even need to see the Grand Prix necessarily, but uh, right. it'd be fucking sick if that was an affordable option. Or even if, I don't even care if it's still expensive, but just like I, I would pay good money for that experience. Well, but like Rob, it's you, when practice one is already out of my tip top price range. <laughs> you know that's that says a lot. I, I think I, I again I forget the exact price of what the practice ticket was but i do know that just the practice ticket alone was more expensive than any nascar race ticket i've ever bought in my life including the multiple daytona 500s i've been to i want to so say it was a couple hundred practice. dollars like 199 dollars yeah. or something like that yeah never spent more than like 150 dollars on a daytona ticket that's the most i've ever spent so yeah. <laughs> that's for practice well, there's north wilkesboro but that was like a whole weekend. yeah but that was a whole weekend that doesn't yeah. count that's not just practice yeah Uh, plus, Rob, you, you, you failed to mention the third event going on in that potential weekend, uh, the When We Were Young Fest. Oh, that's which, right. Uh, yeah. Which, if, for all you <laughs> fucking emo kids out there, uh, I'm sh and I'm sure there are some F1 fans that are also emo kids. Dude, I, I was, know that for a fact, uh, actually. For sure. What's the new metal one? Sick, sick world? Is that it? Sick, sick, uh, yeah, sick, sick sad world, world six, I think. Whatever. Sick it, new world, that's, that's it. That's it, yeah. Sick, sick sad, sad world. The, that's the show on Daria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the greatest fictional television show of all time. Um, if, if it was the same weekend as the New Metal Festival, I don't even fucking care. I'm taking a mortgage out in the house. I'm going. I, I would have I would have a little more inspiration if it was the New Metal Festival. If I can go see fucking Fear Factory on the same day as Formula One and Kyle Larson winning at Vegas, then yeah, let's go, baby. Let's have a good time. <laughs> Jinkos for everyone that weekend. Okay, there you yeah. go. Think there of all the nips go. you can sneak in those Jinkos, too, into the Formula One event. Like, oh, God, so many. Kansas spam on one side, yeah. 99 bananas on the other. They're starting to sound functional. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm, this weekend's really growing on me. Yeah, see, it's a good idea. It. It's Vegas. You know, go gamble a little bit, have a good time. Yeah. But it's not the new metal fest. It's the emo one. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's not the good emo either. I don't really want to see any of those bands, I don't think. Yeah, so. no, I'm good. 
Um, okay, so that I think finally wraps up our F1 talk. So what else <laughs> happened this past weekend? Uh, Kyle Larson won some midget races. There's he, a fucking uh, he, shock. He won all of them. Yeah. Yep. The uh, USAC West Coast Swing is happening right now. They were uh, where were they? At? Bakersfield earlier in the week. Kyle Larson won that over Logan Seavey. Uh, and, and then uh, Pl- Plackerville, Placerville, Placerville. That's it. Wow. Um, guess I need to drink or something because I'm like, uh, I can't, can't read my notes. <laughs> Placerville, <laughs> Maybe California. The earliest we've recorded. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Cal Larson won the Hangtown 100 again over Logan Seavey. Um, caught a few cautions at the right time, and uh, that worked out well for him. Uh, never seen that guy have more fun in a fucking race car. Um, <clears throat> just talking about how much he loves midgets, and that's how it's pretty much his favorite type of racing. and how uh, enjoyable it is and how much better the action is and i gotta be honest i pretty much agree with them so but it was cool to see him uh short track and particularly midget kyle larson is a completely different kyle larson you see at nascar uh it's kind of funny it looks like he's very much not having that much that good of a time <laughs> on the cup side <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like a kid in a candy store at a midget so um yeah. it's always fun to see that uh, a lot of torn up race cars at uh, Placerville. I don't know if you guys have ever. Did you watch any of the highlights from that? Ever watched a race there? No. Uh, like, I have in the past, but it's not like they just year. carved the racetrack out of a fucking quarry or something. Because the turn three <laughs> wall is just like a ten foot tall like dirt mound. It's sweet. That's cool. But yeah, uh, Taylor Raymer got caught up in that. Uh, one too many buzz balls and sent it off in the ditch. <laughs> uh, lots of children pulling these fucking crazy fuck you sliders which is the state of midget racing these days, just send it in there and hope that there's uh, four tires to keep you from going into the space uh, on the other side of it. But uh, it was a great race, good time. Uh, Thomas Meserol pretty much bent his car in half twice, so let's go donate, donate some money to that guy because <laughs> <laughs> not going so good so far. And they'll be at the uh, Ventura on Friday night after Thanksgiving for the Turkey Night Grand Prix. Uh, is this a short track septic tank? I guess it is. We're already in it. Fucking A. I went in there. Yeah. Chris Madden won the Blue Gray 100 at Cherokee. That was a fun show I didn't get to watch since I don't have an XR subscription, but I read all about it on the internet. So congrats to Smokey for that one. Uh, Jonathan Davenport celebrated his 40th birthday over the weekend. By the way, our buddy Kyle Armstrong, friend of the program, was at the birthday party at the Dirty Dollar Ranch and sent me some photos. This guy has such a sick fucking setup. Um all you got to do is just win a couple million dollar races and then you can have a sick bar like this guy. I'll send you guys photos of it. It's fucking awesome. But apparently they had a good time. I did not know Jonathan Davenport was 40. Uh, well, I didn't know BJ McLeod was also 40, which means uh, they're they're both younger than me, which that feels yeah. weird. Looking pretty I'm good, a... Brian. You know? I'll take pretty it. Good. Yeah. And one more thing. He's growing out his hair for the emo fest next year. He is. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, if it was the New Metal Fest, you absolutely know that would be true. Um, but one more thing before we move on. I do want to uh, shout out, um, of course, Ken Squire was a big um, influence on everybody. And we're going to talk about Ken uh, a little bit later on in the show here. But another legend uh, passed away over the weekend. Uh, Paul Call. Do you guys know who he is? Yeah. The, uh, he was the grounds, yeah, he was the groundskeeper at Wilkesboro. He passed away over the weekend. I think he was 88 years old. Uh, if you ever snuck into the place uh, and got to meet him, he was either really nice or uh, didn't want to see you. But yeah. <laughs> there's no in between. It was <laughs> yeah, it was either come on in or get the fuck out with him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just an absolute legend in the county. Of course, a deep tradition of moonshining, and uh, his family's been in that county for 
God, as long as it's been a county, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And they still have a huge uh, influence on the surrounding area and involvement with the racetrack and everything. So, uh, but Paul was a, a legend, and you know, for every Ken Squire out there that everyone knows about, there is a guy like Paul who also had a lasting impact and left a crazy legacy in this uh, patchwork of of motorsports that we all uh, love to be a part of. So I'm going to raise a little glass up to Paul Call here. I got to meet one of his grandkids uh, the one time he went there, and uh, he was cool as shit. That was right right when they were getting the distillery up and running, and uh, they've managed to turn that into quite the operation. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't have two any. and two together that that was the same deal. Yes, yeah, same family, same folks, direct lineage. and uh, But, yeah, North Wilkesboro definitely uh, – won't be the same without that guy being there physically, but Lord knows the spirit is probably hanging around uh, the racetrack and will be uh, for as long as there's a track there. Yeah. So, cheers. <clears throat> um, well, I guess so. Th- we'll get into the second part of the show here because it's going to have a few different twists and turns. Um, you already mentioned Ken Squire, and pretty much this whole second half of the show is going to be about Ken in one way or another, or at least be associated with him. Uh, but I'm going to start my Darf of the Week segment, uh, and it's going to be related to Ken Squire. Uh, my favorite <laughs> Twitter personality, Brett Griffin, decided to once oh, again yeah. make a fucking ass out of himself. This is the Darf um, of the Year right here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know how much, how much stupider you can get, but um, you know, for those who aren't aware, uh, Ken Squire is originally from Vermont, and as is Bernie Sanders, and... Regardless of what you think of Bernie Sanders politically, um, this is not about that. This is about two guys who were cornerstones of Vermont who surely ran into each other over the years. And uh, after Ken's death... Oh, no question uh, they ran into each other. Yeah. Yeah, no question. So after Ken's death, uh, Bernie tweeted out just a nice little tribute to Ken, um, which again... even if you want to look at this in the most uh, cynical way possible of just a politician tweeting about someone you know, in his state, it was far more than that. But what Brett decided to do, uh, and he tweeted this at probably 1130 at night on what was it, Friday or whatever, so guarantee he was shit-faced. Fireball uh, he decided to <laughs> respond to this with, didn't know you knew what NASCAR is, probably should have endorsed it before 80. So fuck him. Fuck anybody that like still employs him or thinks he should be involved in NASCAR. This stupid motherfucker like cannot help but make himself look bad at every single possible turn. And this is just a complete embarrassment. And well, the uh, funny thing about it is that Bernie actually has motorsports ties. Like yeah, I, again, like like you said, Brian. Like regardless of what you think about him or the people who tend to associate with him or his politics or whatever the fuck it is, like. Like, Bernie's been to the Milk Bowl. Like, he's been yeah. to Thunder Road. He sponsored cars there. Like, he's pretty ingrained and probably more so than most people in Congress. So anytime you have somebody of that stature, um, not just doing lip service, but specifically listing out the reasons why somebody involved in the short track world or the racing world was important, uh, that's, a, that's a net positive. <laughs> that's a big fucking deal. And yeah. it was a very nice way the thing that Bernie said about about Ken for sure and uh, it was just wildly inappropriate to say some shit like that you've got this dumb motherfucker who I guarantee is going to try to vote for Trump again what the fuck did Trump say about NASCAR a few years ago Um, (laughs) meanwhile you've got Bernie Sanders again praising Ken Ken not only had a role in NASCAR in America but also 
in Vermont racing itself. Like Ken was was a, a leader both on a community and a nationwide level. And no matter which politician it is, like they should be celebrated by you know their community leaders, and that's what happened. Let me so. let me let me put it this way: uh, We know J- Donald Trump has been to a racetrack, right? We know yes. Bernie Sanders has been to a racetrack. <laughs> has Joe Biden been to a racetrack? Hmm. How about that? Pretty sure he has. Probably has. <laughs> He's a he, not to, not to, not to like <laughs> not to speak highly of of Biden, but Biden is a car guy. I remember a few years that is ago true. after He's a hot rod guy, yeah. yeah, after he got out of you know was a hot rod vice guy. president office. Um, <laughs> there were some videos of him like I get to drive my Mustang around again. Like, no, well, no. you can't drive when you're the president. You're not allowed yeah, to do you that. Can't, can't do anything. You can't of that like shit, put so. him in a parking lot or something and let him do some. No, it's it's no. it's it's part like one of the rules of the job is that you're not allowed to be behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. It's fucking crazy. So yeah, you can get yeah. him a little go kart or something. <laughs> it's just ripping donuts out in the uh, the White House lawn. No, it's you just you just get to sit behind the wheel of the car and, and honk the and horn honk like the horn. like like Trump did in, in the dump truck a few years ago. That's all you get to do. But um, yeah, I agree. Bad, bad fucking look, Brett. Like, I, I wouldn't call yeah, myself a Brett Griffin defender by any means, but I give him a free pass on some of the dumbass stuff. You know, there's a lot of people in my life I don't necessarily agree with, but whatever. It's part of life, and you know, I'm not gonna let that ruin a relationship with somebody. Or you know, the, if they're doing good work, I'm not gonna let them uh, that necessarily sink the whole shit for me. But this is just real fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ship is down there with the with the Titanic, uh, and they, he has nothing redeemable about him. So. Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably still listen to DVC, but yeah, Jesus fucking Christ, man! Like that's just real, real stupid. So yeah, that's definitely pretty much up there with my uh, definitely a candidate for Darth of the Year, which I, I yeah. think that'll come yeah. a little closer to New Year's Eve. We'll we'll probably get into that. Uh, I want to go back through and uh, do the parade of Darths, if you will. <laughs> So now, now that we've we're we're in the Ken section of the show, let's let's go back to the more positive. Let's go back to class. Uh, yes, yes. So this is one of those things that you know now it's it's been you know about a week now since Ken's passed, and you know if if you've been on any sort of uh, motorsport social media over the last week, you've you've surely seen the numerous tributes, and they're all warranted. I mean, Ken yeah. was. Um, Ken was in that same class as Chris Economaki, a guy that truly loved motorsports and did what he could to, uh, you know, transfer that love onto his audience, whether it be at his home track, you know, that he ran uh, in Vermont, you know, Thunder Road, or being really the one that convinced CBS to broadcast NASCAR to a live audience and helped create what we all have today as fans. And yeah. Yeah, there's you know, a direct uh, line to Ken Squire uh, from where we are now to the very beginning. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And and it really can't there's not anybody else like him. There's not really going to be anybody else like him. And even when you look at the current crop of broadcasters like there aren't really got too many guys that you know, their whole lives are based on motorsports. And I think like there's to me there was almost a, a real changing of the guard in, in 2001 when CBS you know, stopped broadcasting the 500 and first thing you see on Fox is Chris Myers, a guy that all he was was a broadcaster. He wasn't a racing guy. And you get the, the booth with DW and Larry Mack and, and it, t- it, it took a little bit of the seriousness out of it, which again, you don't necessarily need your motorsports play by play to be serious all the time. But 
there was just something that Ken Squire brought to the booth, uh, especially for the 500 for all those years that uh, it'll never be seen or heard again, I don't think. And and especially once Mike Joy's out of the booth, I mean, that's going to be, That'll be a he's sad the day. last one of the old guard. That'll really. be a very sad day. Uh, I, I went back and watched the uh, Southern 500, the first throwback weekend they did on NBC, and they brought Ken Squire and Ned Jarrett back into the booth. And just the temperature changes when he takes over the mic. It's like yeah. the new style broadcast versus the old school way of presenting a race, like indirect, you know, in the same program. And it's it really is shocking, and I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I grew up with that style, and that's I, I kind of pine for that. But uh, I definitely remember watching that on TV originally, and just like in silence, just because I was so stoked yeah. that it was finally yeah. back, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so we we did for the video of the week deal, um, you know. Again, things like squireisms and his great calls and all that. Um, so many other people can do that in such a better way than we can as far as presenting that information to you. So what I wanted to do this week for video of the week uh, was focus on what Ken did at home. And that was uh, a video from Thunder, Thunder Road. Uh, this was the 1987 uh, Act Coors Tour, uh, the Milk Bowl, which was kind of a famous race that had been run there for many, many, many huge, years. Huge, huge race to this day. And not only is it the track that Ken Squire owns and helped operate, it's mm -hmm. the series that he created, the American Canadian Tour, which is some of the best racing you can see in New England to this day. Yep. Um, so this was... Uh, a portion of an episode of Trackside, which I, I don't know if we've actually talked about Trackside yet. I feel like we might have watched an episode earlier, you know, way earlier in the show. But, uh, you know, Trackside was a north northeast uh, motorsports show that focused on, you know, short tracks all over. And again, it, if you didn't grow up in the northeast, you might not be aware, but there's tons and tons of short track racing, whether it be dirt, asphalt, whatever. Uh, there's tons of it. And, you know, trackside here this is the farthest north you can get almost you know vermont new hampshire maine like it's way the fuck up there but there are racers and tons of them yeah you know you see a packed packed uh house at the track this day and um you know they're there to watch the act tour uh the names you're going to recognize, uh, Kevin LePage and Ricky Craven are in this race, and I guess Robbie Crouch also is kind of a recognizable name. Yep. Uh, but it's just highlights. Uh, you know, uh, They had kind of a wacky format where it was, you know, I think one stage, you, the winners, you know, they reversed the field, and then they reversed them back after the second stage. It was a whole... Don't get any ideas, NASCAR. <laughs> Don't listen to this. <laughs> kind of, you know, one of your more standard, average, wacky short track programs, but it, it brought the... Brought the fans out. Um, those late models are, you know, so such cool cars to look at. Uh, I guess this was late models, though, wasn't it? I mean, they were kind of, they weren't like North, you know, Bush North size cars. Yeah, they're 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 late models for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, just I really wanted to highlight because you know, again, Ken was known on such a big wide audience for so long. Again, he was the voice of NASCAR, but. Uh, this was also such a big part of his life and, and it's what got him to the dance. Um, yeah, it went very, so much and, further than just his NASCAR career and the roots went so much deeper than just NASCAR. Like, mm -hmm. He put his money where his mouth is all the way from the very, very bottom of the ladder all the way to the top. So, For sure. And um, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up my notes here. Uh, Ken's on uh, this video at the very end. Uh, you get a brief little two-minute 
uh, interview with him and you can just kind of see the look on his face how excited he is to be there and how excited he is to be in front of such a big crowd how proud he is that he's part of this and you know you, you talk about he talks about how things aren't weren't always like this and they had some rough years and uh it's the best show uh in america for the price you pay two dollars and fifty cents to go in and watch that race and, yep. and i guess that was the 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 entry fee for many many years at the track um you know ken jokes about having to maybe raise it up a little bit at the very end but uh <laughs> um, you bring your whole family in for five dollars yeah a family yeah. package shit ton of people there it looked a lot like pinsboro in the old videos did with all the people sitting up on the hill and all that you know for sure well beyond the grandstands just just a true like grassroots event you know yeah 250 uh, helps though <laughs> Uh, the race was won by uh, a guy named John Paul Cabana, who he's interviewed a few times and uh, really thick uh, French Canadian accent, which those yeah. are always very funny uh, to hear, especially because you don't really hear him in, in stock car racing much. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Kevin LePage and Ricky Craven are in this race. Uh, there's a guy named Paul Richardson who finishes, I think, second, who I, I, he looks like a fucking turkey or something i don't even know what to describe him as but he just doesn't he looks like like a weird weird human being um but, but again just really that beat to shit old ass uh you know northeast racer that's just still out there kicking ass and yeah straight you up can go to any short track. Around. you can go to any short track in the northeast and you're gonna see a track full of guys still out there running that look just like him so um I don't know. I just I, I love windows into the past like this. And again, uh, knowing that this is this is Ken's heart and soul, uh, which is kind of why I wanted to highlight this. Um, and again, a couple other videos we'll talk about. I, I'd actually pulled up a very brief interview that Ken did with Dale Earnhardt in late 79 that I guess aired in the 1980 Daytona 500. Um, you know, Ken saw something in Earnhardt and wanted to interview him for the show and uh, it's funny to hear him predict uh, Dale himself predict he was going to win that year and, and you know it took him another 20 years to do so um, and then today Rob when we were talking uh, you know Ken was kind of in that same class as Chris Konamaki where you know he was funny he was poignant um, but he also could kind of uh, really summarize uh he, almost, he eulogizes Dale more or less in this moment. This is this is right after Dale passed. Uh, you know, Fox did bring him in to kind of talk about the race and talk about Dale. And even in just a brief couple minute passage, uh, he so succinctly um, defines what Dale was to NASCAR itself and, and to motorsports in general. Yeah. And that fucking not, quote that he leads off with, "Whatever stock car racing is, Dale was." I mean, what else? What else needs to be said? Like, I got chills. <laughs> Saying it myself, it's incredible. And there's really nobody else that's going to be able to do that these days. So, uh, that that kind of just bookended a little bit of of. Uh, it, but he, you know, Ken bookended Dale's life in that sense, which is um, interesting. But I don't really know what else to say about Ken. Um, I'll let you guys say a few words before we go on to. The next little thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> Which also includes Skin Squire, I believe. It does, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Economaki. <laughs> yeah. True Love, you got anything you want to say about Ken? Um, 
I mean, I don't know what to say. That's not already been said. There's been so many like great tributes all week, but I would recommend anyone going back and watching his uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame induction speech. is oh, really good. That's also really. He's good. like you know, a broadcaster. I think he's the only one or the first one that is like fully inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's in there twice. Yeah, he's yeah. got his own. He's got his own award too that they hand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that is that really is a great video, and it's easy to find too. I would say that, or they uh, maybe we'll post a link to the uh, Dale Earnhardt sort of impromptu eulogy we were talking about. Uh, impromptu might be the wrong word to describe that because it was definitely prepared, but uh, yeah. you know, the day after it happened um, on uh, I believe it was on ESPN. Um, I'd recommend giving that a, a watch. Before we move on from the American Canadian Tour, though, um, just to talk about Ken's legacy. Uh, from that point of view, of course, Robbie Crouch, he was the all-time winner on the American-Canadian Tour with 77 wins. And our boy Jean-Paul Cabana that you mentioned, he had 26 wins, so he's fifth on that list. But just a list of people that made it to the top level on here. Uh, Chuck Bound, Randy LaJoy, uh, just it, just so many folks that made their way from New England into the NASCAR or Winston Cup or whatever you want to call it, Sphere. Uh, there's a direct line to the American-Canadian Tour. And that continues today. So, um, again, his legacy is going to continue to give uh, long after he's gone. And I'm going to forgive uh, for now the American Canadian Tour for denying my uh, credential application <laughs> at the beginning of the year in honor of uh, Ken Squires. It's <laughs> a touching tribute to him. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll send this episode in. Maybe they'll change their mind. <laughs> I have a feeling they might not, but... <laughs> I feel like they got a lot on their plate right now. Yeah, so. they do. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Wait, you though, know, if, you, if you can watch an act race, though, if you have a chance to go in person mm-hmm. and see it, it's, it's a great show. They always put on a good show. It's it's some of the best uh, fender racing you're going to see in the United States or in Canada. So, And unfortunately, um, they couldn't go this year for a myriad of reasons, but uh, SRX just announced they are going to be back at Thunder Road next year. That's right. Um, to make up for their the race they missed in 2023 and that'll be a great show there's no question about it for sure but uh, now on to the the final part of the show and i'm i'm raring to go about this because oh boy do i have a lot to say uh we're talking what about brian (laughs) we're talking about videos of the week rob mentioned stroke race and and you know ken has a a nice little cameo in there it's very funny and how we should just watch that as part of the show and then went on to say that that's the real NASCAR movie, A Stroke Race, and uh, was better than Days of Thunder. And what I said was Days of Thunder can kiss my ass. Okay, well there you go. So that's how Rob feels about it. So I'll admit. Okay, so Fuck I, you, I've ne- Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> I've never seen Stroke Race in full. I remember having the DVD as a kid and like yep. maybe getting bored or something after the first 15, 20 minutes what and never revisiting hell? it. So I decided, all right, I told Rob those are fighting words, so now I'm going to have to watch this fucking movie. Which, by the way, folks, it is on YouTube now in its entirety, free with ads. So once you finish up watching that, you can also watch Pure Country, which is uh, (laughs) another great movie that you'll want to watch for free. (laughs) It's it's, Stroke Race is in our our video of the week playlist, so it's it's right there for you. But so I decided to watch this and. 
He loved it, folks. Uh, okay, so Rob, I don't know. Let me ask you first, mm -hmm. before I get in, because I got good things to say and some bad things to say. So yeah. before I get into my review, let's let's hear your defense of Stroker Ace before we get into my it. My defense of Stroker Ace? <laughs> It's a fucking, yes. it's a fucking Burt Reynolds movie. What do you want? Yeah, I mean, that's all you have to say. Uh, it's gonna be a little rapey at times. It's gonna be, well, I just, okay. and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking Burt Reynolds movie. I don't know. I, I, I love how. With that said, I do love that it is. It is the Burt Reynolds movie template of that era. It's just Burt yeah. being Burt, and. NASCAR is prominently featured, but it's almost like he's kind of passing through NASCAR. Obviously, he's playing a driver and all that, and there's some corny bits and all that. It is it is what it is. It's a movie from the early 80s. You know, it's, it's not fucking Amadeus, you know? Like... <laughs> But I, it's it's reverent and it's wacky all at the same time um, without taking the piss out of NASCAR. I think a lot of people have a problem with Talladega Nights for it kind of portraying NASCAR to be um, sort of goofy, which, you know, I also disagree with that, too. But if I had to, like, sort of put this on the landscape, I would put Stroker Ace somewhere between Days of Thunder and uh, Talladega Nights. And what it accomplishes and also it's sort of commentary on the sponsorship end of things is really funny to me especially in light of how things are now but yeah. again if well, you can suspend your disbelief <laughs> for a little bit <laughs> and if, how slow the cars go <laughs> the way they had to film because <laughs> they really do look slow as fuck <laughs> But if you can put all that aside, um, it is a nice little window into Winston Cup and of, of that era. And, of course, Dale Earnhardt's in the movie. Um, Tim Richmond's in there a little bit. There's all mm -hmm. sorts of little cameos. And it is genuinely funny. Um, if you uh, like these, like, old, campy 80s movies, then, yeah, which yeah. I enjoy. So Same, yeah. All right, well, here we go. So Go ahead. <laughs> first off, you, you mentioned Lin Burt Linda Reynolds. Linda Vaughn's in here, too. Shout out to her. Fuck yeah, Linda is Vaughn she? is. Oh yeah, first like two or yeah. three minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, there's okay. There's plenty of women we'll get into. It's one um, of the women he's trying to kiss, uh, yeah. which is half the movie. Uh, during right. during driver right. intros. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, so okay, so you mentioned Burt Reynolds being in this movie. Obviously, he's the star of the, the film, and, and the film itself has a. a Don't forget Jim Neighbors, star, buddy. So. <laughs> it's got Jim Neighbors. <laughs> You've got um. Uh, the guy from Deliverance, his his name is escaping me right oh, yeah. now, but uh, uh, dude from Deliverance is in it. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a bunch of different stars in it, but this movie actually was one of the things that tanked Burt's career. Um, I, I read into this afterwards, and this was like, of you know, you he'd already done a bunch of those Hal Needham movies. Yeah. Uh, did we mm -hmm. lose Rob? No, I'm still here. Oh. Uh, he'd already done a bunch <laughs> of Hal Needham greatly movies. Greatly offended. And... <laughs> This was like a, almost the last straw. Like Bert himself thought this movie uh, l lost a bunch of fans for him, um, and I can completely see why. It's because just that one scene. No, it's not just the one scene. <laughs> so here's 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 what I'll say positive about the movie before I get into the real bad parts. Again, it does portray NASCAR in a positive light. Um, it is very of its time. This is a film. It was, you know, came out in 1983. Uh, there's again lots of great driver cameos. Uh, yeah. You know, Ken Squires cameo, very funny. Chris Economaki doing exact Chris Economaki things, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Um, the on-track scenes are definitely pretty wacky. Again, the cars are very slow. Um, 
and then the the actual race footage that they cut in and out is like not even evolved the it's same very, class of cars very lazy it's it's also very made for tv movie feeling like stock yeah, footage yeah. kind of they yeah. really did not put that much effort into that portion of the film but whatever um again it, it compared i i do think talladega nights is punching down not a, not too hard but hard enough uh, you know even in my lapsed fandom when that movie came out i could still kind of tell it was kind of poking fun at NASCAR in a way that I didn't totally love. And it's, it's a movie that I do want to at some point revisit. Cause I don't think I watched it since it came out, but Oh, it's fucking funny. I can, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Um, but this, this Which, movie, it's kind of, we had some Talladega nights news in NASCAR this week. Oh yeah, that's right. Kevin Harvick bought the house. Great. Yeah. He did. Uh, he bought Ricky Bobby's house, his McMansion. <laughs> it's the only NASCAR off season news. So far, folks. Well, that and uh, that and Mike Harmon's team is back to Mike Harmon racing. So uh, yes, yeah. I didn't even realize that he had merged with somebody, but I guess that didn't go too well. And now it's just uh, Mike and the boys again. So he, his announcement too was just all pissy. Like this guy screwed me over. We're going back to Mike Harmon. It's great. Fuck yeah. Um, but anyways, back to back to this fucking movie. Anyways. Um, this fucking movie. This fucking movie. So uh, you know again. All of the of era stuff, all of the ephemera type stuff, uh, was all very fun. And and again, I one thing that came out of this movie that was positive was uh, the Hal and Burt team with Harry Gant. Like that actually was born from this movie, yep. um, which is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. Um, Real so quick, all- uh, I I just gotta cut in here. If you guys uh, have have seen Stroker Ace, or if you haven't, if you decide to watch it after this, I recommend. Uh, listening to or watching the Dale Jr. download episode uh, with Wilk Ronkite, who set up all the cars. Mm-hmm. He's got some really funny stories about production and hanging out with Burt Reynolds and how they got it done and the origin of those cars and some really interesting stuff in there. Uh, definitely, uh, that guy's interesting as fuck anyway, but uh, I would definitely recommend listening to that episode if you have any interest in this movie because it adds some additional insight. So Yeah. Um, okay, so I... I On with the I hatred. Like- <laughs> I feel like that ends my my positive things to say um, about this movie. That's it. So, uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. I don't really have much else good to say about it. So, um, here's where it gets bad. And before we get to the bad scene, I'm gonna actually just break down the actual movie itself and how it's not that good. And here's why. So, Bert himself. It's a Burt Reynolds movie. What? Do you- well, so Bert's character. Okay, so Stroke Race. Uh, the character Stroke Race himself is kind of a dipshit, and he's kind of got a bad attitude. Like, I don't think he understands how sponsorship works. Um, he has cantankerous relationships with, with both the chicken guy and this oil sponsor that he has at the beginning of the fucking race, and, like, fills his sponsor's car with cement. And, again, who the fuck... Like, there these relationships, you know, were not, <laughs> were not like this. Like, Brian, this is not a documentary. Knew, yeah, I know it's not a documentary, but these these things didn't happen. Like these relationships were not had with sponsors. Like, well, truck drivers, drivers didn't, didn't did truck drivers didn't drive around with fucking monkeys either. But they made a movie about that shit. So. Listen, motherfucker. <laughs> From a plot standpoint, it makes no fucking sense. Okay, it doesn't make fucking sense because. How the fuck can you drive a car without a sponsor? He loses his sponsor and immediately signs up. Ask Mike Harmon. I don't know. Fuck. Who? This chicken guy. He owns a chicken company. 
and just shows up at the track with this cheated up car and like here bud get in and and stroker just signs the contract doesn't even sh- give a shit about it gets in this car it's because he's and, just chasing tail that's what it is i know he's yeah. chasing tail that's but what's then the, the movie ends up becoming this convoluted plot to like get out of his contract and it's like that's what we're cheering for is the guy to get out of his fucking contract like that's the whole yeah. plot yeah not Fuck fucking stupid contract. and then then he he like should have asked kyle larson how to do that well i don't know bert, maybe <laughs> bert almost did something in this movie that would have gotten out of his contract but we'll get into that. Um, so, <laughs> oh fuck! Now, at the end of this movie, Bert, you know, Stroker fucking convinces his dad and then his like ambiguously gay brother. I think that's what's going on with the brother. I can't tell if his brother's slow or gay or what. Something is going on with the brother that's wow, just off. Brian. And that's gonna probably gonna get Jesus. me canceled. But like something is going on with this brother. Brian tries very, to cancel Stroker Ace and very, takes cancels, cancels myself. Again, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this brother, but something is off with the brother. Yeah, the, and The chicken uh, man is named Clyde Torkel, by the way, folks. We do know that. Yeah. Um, Ned Beatty is his name. There we so again, go. The plot of the movie being this convoluted story and, and, and you know, the race has to end at a certain fucking time or he's going to stay in his contract, but then the race goes overtime and he wins. It's, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me, okay? It's not a cut and dry story as to why we should be cheering for Stroker Ace. So that right there is my first complaint. Now, my second complaint, and it's here's the big one. I always, I did kind of wonder how this movie, you know, again, it has all these stars in it and it's it's got all these drivers in it and it's it's should be this cool time capsule regardless if it's a good movie or not but there's a major reason why it is not uh, revered and that's because a plot prime plot twist uh is about date rape okay so lonnie anderson who i guess i think was actually dating burt reynolds when this movie was being filmed i don't know exactly but you know they were married at some point uh the chicken company owner hires on Lonnie Anderson to be uh, the marketing person. And Here, of course, there. again, Bert tries to sleep with her. Yep. Now, <laughs> That's what he does. it is discussed that she is this nice Christian woman and like a, a, a Bible school teacher. And like, she's a, a virgin. The fact she's a virgin is brought up. Now I will say this. She was 37 when this movie was filmed. <laughs> so that is a wild tidbit that I, I had to look up. I just wait th- blew 30, my mind when I 37, said. like in actuality or in the, in no, the actuality, movie itself. In, in like, in, like in, in yeah. real life, she was 37. I don't remember the part of stroke race being like, I'm 37. <laughs> yeah. Seven year old virgin. <laughs> so once this is found out, if Bert, Bert tries, or Stroker tries to figure out how to how to sleep with with the assistant, and he does this by. So that's the just to be clear, that's the plot of the movie. That's it. Like that's all. You, there's no thought involved. Stroker Ace is trying to sleep with this PR girl. That's the movie. So he does this by switching out alcohol like he he pretends to give her like you know sparkling cider but it's actually champagne gets her drunk who is she is the least convincing drunk i've ever seen like she literally just her voice doesn't change nothing changes she's just like i'm ready to fuck you now bert was more or less what she says (laughs) and then she immediately passes out and 
what does Bert do? Uh, instead of just leaving the fucking room like any good actual human being would do in that situation, like he slowly like he's like, should I do this? Like nobody will know. Uh, goes back and forth, slowly starts to undress her, and then he's like, nobody would know, would they? And then the scene ends, and then you're left, you're kind of left with like, did he do it or not? Like you know, you don't. It seems like he's not gonna. But he still keeps going back to her and touching her and stuff. So it gets real fucking weird. And then the next day, uh, you know, Lonnie's character is asking him at, at breakfast. And all of a sudden, he's a good not guy now because he may or may not have actually not date raped her. Like, nobody fucking knows. Like, the way the scene was shot, the way he even explained what happened to her the next day at breakfast, it was very ambiguous. So even if he did the quote unquote good guy thing and didn't date rape her it was too so, close so, to so you, what you're saying to me <laughs> is that is that you want the definitive answer you would have liked to have seen one way or the other play out here <laughs> and bring this to an r rating is what you're telling me <laughs> and brian quit but <laughs> Yeah, it's a little. I'll give him that. It's a little. Uh, uh, yeah, that seems super cringy. Man. Yeah, it's hard to sit through. Uh, I, 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 I honestly forgot about that part. I thought he was gonna talk about the part where Clyde Torgelson tries to rape her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Mere moments later. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets his. He gets kicked in the nuts, and uh, that's the whole thing. Right, and Bert ends up with the lady at the end. So yeah, he does. It's yeah. all and he gives her a job. Happy family. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it all works out, and uh, Stroker wins the championship, and a great fucking Charlie Daniels song, too. That song is so fucking good. It really is. People want to shit on it for some reason, but I love that song. Yeah, well, people love to shit on Charlie Daniels. And people want to shit on that song because it's just like the fucking uh, uh, Eastbound and Down, more or less, just about NASCAR instead of trucks. Which is uh, sick. Which is awesome. What's wrong Great with that? Fucking song. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Daniels had a couple lanes, and Brian's gone again. <laughs> he just popped back in to talk shit about Charlie Daniels. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So. I don't know. I don't know how much more angry I can be about this, but uh, again, <laughs> this whole this whole plot twist is is very clearly why this movie will never be regarded uh, in any. You know, it's not going to be one of the greatest NASCAR movies of all time. It just never will be, and it's it's it's. Uh, date rape, unfortunately, was a trope that was uh, in a bunch of different '80s movies, uh, ones that were way more popular than this one. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while, while you were away, by the way, I, I agreed with you that that was a, a little bit over the line there. Yeah. But, but yeah, there are definitely movies that handled that um, way, way worse than Stroker Race did. But so yeah, um, so that's why Stroker Race is not a good movie. And um, <laughs> say what you will about Days of Thunder, say what you will about Talladega Nights. Uh, They're both substantially, substantially better. And Fuck. For the, the for the handful of things I enjoyed about this movie, it is so bad in every other way that like yeah I'm good I don't ever need to watch this again. Sorry. Well, so well, my favorite racing movie is uh, the Last American Hero. Oh with yeah, Jeff Bridges that's right. Yeah, seventy three. 
that is on my list of movies I need to see. Is that and one on YouTube? Maybe we'll just do this in the offseason. We'll just watch movies it, and talk shit a, about it. It's free somewhere. It's on there. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that because there's only so many old races we can I've, watch. I've never actually seen that entire film, so uh, I would like to watch that. So yeah. <laughs> We'll put it on the list. So... Uh, Still, um, uh, my rebuttal again, it's a Burt Reynolds movie from the 80s. I, mean, I don't know yeah, what we that's expect really from that. really all you have to say. Hal Needham <laughs> at the sort of, like, wane of the career. It's got all the tropes. You're right. Like, traditionally speaking, it's not very good. But for what it is, and to see Dale Earnhardt talk shit and just the little bits and pieces from the NASCAR world, uh, it is it is required viewing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is uh, a little bit corn pone and kind of a very of the times uh, kind of dog shit movie. <laughs> I would I would say And I want to see somebody throw back to the uh, Anarchicard did this already so I forget I think it was Mullins the Mullins racing team they did this but I want to see someone do the pluck chicken scheme for Darlington one of these days. <laughs> Everyone uh, always wants to do the cool chicken pit car but nobody wants to do the fucking yeah. pluck chicken with the with the chicken suit. So I would like to see that next year Corey LaJoy. <laughs> well, I was going to say he, he already did. He hey. would. And he cool. would. That's the best he, part. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, listen. I've had enough of his pluck chicken already. Watch this movie. <laughs> watch this movie until Elvira shows up. Once Elvira shows up, that's it. Just turn it off. You don't need to watch anything else. That's when it starts to get rapey and uh, starts oh, to get bar, convoluted. The bar scene is so good, man. I, I <laughs> Burt Reynolds crawling around on the floor and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Such a, but seriously, it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Uh, The only, the only thing you'll have to pay is a couple hours of time. I don't even know if it's that long. It's like, it's a pretty short movie. I've watched the entire thing while we've been sitting here. Favorite quote of the entire movie though, is when Burt Reynolds is crawling around on the floor and a lady steps out of the ladies room and he's under her dress because Burt Reynolds and she says, I don't know what you're shopping for, cowboy, but you're looking in the wrong place. And that pretty much sums up uh, every woman in that movie. So. <laughs> oh, I did have there were a couple quotes that I that I did want to mention. Um, uh, there was a scene where uh, they're all getting in a car parked on the street and Bert's like in he's in the chicken suit and he has to get in the back seat. And there's two people walking by and it's definitely one of those just throwaway jokes that they're they say they must be in a cult i thought that was very funny like it was it was said by people off screen uh there's another point where uh and again this is this is referring to lonnie anderson being a virgin uh and how like uh i forget what what other um analogies he was using but it was basically like you know you don't keep a horse like that in the fucking in the barn when there's a race to be won or some bullshit. And he, he uses OJ Simpson as one of the examples of like, you oh don't God. keep OJ. If you have OJ Simpson on the team, you don't keep him on the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my, my final, yeah. my final quote that I loved was, um, after, after he wins the final race and flips the car, he's getting out of the car and they're trying to get into victory lane. He just goes, get that piece of shit out of here. And he's saying that to his own car. So I, I, I really like that. I, that got me. So there were a couple okay things in this movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. I laughed more than I expected to on rewatch. That's for sure. <laughs> True love. Any closing thoughts on stroke? Yes. yes. I think that's, that's enough stroke race for this year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think we've said it all. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well. So. You guys got uh, any big Thanksgiving plans? <laughs> you got time to watch Strucker Ace at the table with your family? Yeah. I I'm I'm gonna be probably eating dinner with my neighbors, so I can't say I'll be bringing up Stroker Ace at the at the at the dinner table. Yeah. Well, I I think I will be. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess uh, I'm assuming we'll probably do an episode next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't see why not. There is racing happening uh, coming up here. There's more USAC action in California. The Turkey Night Grand Prix is in Ventura on Friday. That's on Flow Racing if you got an account. So that's always fun. <laughs> Um, for I, next I week, you make every time you mention it on the show. I don't know. Dillner hasn't sent me a check yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for next week, the video of the week, uh, we're going to return to the monster trucks. Finally, I know we talked about that a few weeks ago, but then I was unable to talk for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we're going to pick up the history of uh, monster truck racing, and we're going to be uh, continuing to look at the TNT series. Uh, we're going to look at their uh, 1988 St. Paul, Minnesota event, which uh, I'll get into on the next episode. But. Um, this is really when racing starts to, to ratchet up a little bit, and we'll get into that next week. Um, what other things do we have to talk about? Oh, um, I'll mention this real quick. I probably should have mentioned this with the short track roundup, uh, or short track uh, toilet bowl. What do we call your fucking segment? <laughs> the <laughs> septic <laughs> tank. <laughs> Which leads, the toilet bowl leads to the septic tank. So. It does, yeah. It all goes <laughs> the same place. <laughs> Brand. Oh, did he quit? Yeah. He's like, you know what? Mm, fuck you. Okay. It's not he a plumbing podcast. Down the toilet bowl. I got to say, though, uh, it, yeah, a little bit of short track racing coming up in the near future, but what I'm most Sorry, excited I had to about is that. <laughs> Go ahead. I had to flush my microphone real quick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, uh, I just purchased my ticket to the first ever uh, Dirt Roundtable at the Dirt Motorsports Hall of Fame. It's going to be going on. Uh, oh, you're going? You're actually going? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, it's it's going to be on uh, uh, the Patriots holiday, January 6th. Um, Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, uh, Kenny Tremont, <laughs> along with Billy Decker, uh, Tim Fuller, and Gary Tompkins are all going to be doing a uh roundtable discussions first time they've ever done anything like this at the uh the hall of fame uh it's 25 bucks to get in uh, and you get dinner with it so uh, if you're anywhere near weed sport on january 6th come hang out uh that will be a good time i think they only have 100 tickets available so check out the uh hall of fame on facebook whatever for the phone number and give those guys a shout that's very now, cool. Are you going to rent a tuxedo for this? Are you going to iron Oh, no, 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 no. Dale Earnhardt this is, khakis? What are we doing? This is, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have any Dale Earnhardt khakis. <laughs> you would have been the source had you have bought <laughs> yeah. them. So. Um, uh, this this Hall of Fame is is let's just say it's not going to be a black tie affair. So I'm not okay. I'm not too concerned about dressing up for it. Damn. How uh, dare you disrespect Ken Tremont like that? <laughs> <laughs> you could wear like a, a bow tie with your Well he's he's already shirt. been in the hall. He's already been in the hall for a while, so this isn't an induction. This is just yeah, guys sitting around talking shit, so Oh yeah. You know. Real real dirt modified nerd stuff, so check it out. Sitting around eating pigs in a blanket. Yeah. Oh uh, speak, speaking of dirt uh modifieds, there is one thing I forgot to mention on the episode last week that I want to bring up real quick. Uh, Kyle, as I say, Kyle Larson, not a guest on this show. Kyle Armstrong, <laughs> former guest of the show, friend of the program. Um, he was quite upset that I didn't mention this when we were talking about the uh, the World Finals at Charlotte. 
There is a dirt late model driver, or excuse me, a, uh, a dirt modified driver from Connecticut whose name is Kyle Armstrong, who was racing in the world finals. Now, no, none of us know him, never met him before, but Kyle just sort of started his own, our Kyle started his own campaign to sort of, you know, get people to root for him. He's like, this oh, okay. is, you know, my name's out there in the timing and scoring. You better look at me go, that sort of shit, you know. <laughs> I'm buying some t shirts from this motherfucker. And How did he do in the race? Not so great, but this guy completely sold out of merchandise <laughs> from all the Carolina Kyle Armstrong yeah. fans. He's a super nice guy. Um, <laughs> it was it was cool to see him out oh, there. Awesome. But yeah, the uh, the Connecticut <laughs> Kyle Armstrong <laughs> needs to bring more T-shirts down to Carolina next time he comes to play because uh, yeah. he will sell out. So. Nice. Also, I bought a T-shirt from Tyler Carpenter's kid, and she cussed at me, so that was pretty funny. It's uh, <laughs> another little tidbit I forgot. I asked for a particular shirt in the wall, and in my size, you got that in XL, and she goes, "Hell no!" And I'm like, "Jesus!" <laughs> so yeah, Tyler Carpenter, who will be at the okay. dome at Gateway coming up pretty soon. I'm very excited like for that. Fifteen kids, they gotta earn their. Keep. They're all working the trailer. You can meet them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, um, I guess that's going to wrap up our trip to Applebee's this week. Um, yeah, I got to you know, say, I hated having a week off. I missed you guys. It was, it was, uh, I know the Applebee's was closed for repairs last week. They were, you know, they were <laughs> declogging the septic system, you know. <laughs> had that big old backup coming out of the toilets last week, so I had to get that fixed up. And then, of course, now Brian's nose is three inches longer than it was previously. <laughs> you should see the photos. It's quite beautiful. Uh it's got ex- extra intake now. Got it's great. More horsepower. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Supercharger. <laughs> yep. And with that, uh, you can always follow us on Instagram at Meet Me at Applebee's, on Twitter at Meet Me at the Bees. I am Speedway Screens and all the things, and uh, SpeedwayTSJ.etsy.com. There will be all sorts of sales and shit going on for Black Friday yeah, and Christmas Cyber is coming Monday up, and motherfuckers. All that nonsense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, buy some stuff so I can. Uh, pay my debt off and go to more races next year and with that ashley what are you selling this week uh just nothing (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) it's not a damn thing wait a second we we, we skipped snake mountain underscore true love though speaking of you we skipped the whole deal didn't you go see chase elliott at a fucking napa auto park store That's what I've been doing with my off season is going to grand openings of Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, okay, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't to see we Chase didn't Elliott. Your, like a, a freelance tidbit, so. Linda Vaughn kind of deal. <laughs> I mean, the Linda Vaughn of Dawsonville, Dawson County. So, but but you did do that, right? I did. Um, they only handed out. 200 tickets to get an autograph and apparently people had camped out since the day before so i didn't get in line to get an autograph because i don't care about autographs but it was packed and he had his little arm in a sling because he just had shoulder surgery a couple days before so yeah. yeah all of all of dawsonville came out to get a gander yeah, the, their favorite the boy. Local boy. Yeah, special, special Dustin Bill. Did you go by the uh, the pool room while you were there? 
Uh, no, I didn't, because they were doing like a Christmas parade on that end of Dawsonville, and I didn't want to get Damn. involved in that. I can only do so many Dawsonville things. With <laughs> you can only see a fire truck <laughs> roll up the street slowly, <laughs> <laughs> covered in Christmas lights uh, yeah. once a day. But there were no, yeah, there were no darfs with shopping carts full of diecasts, because they were very strict about one autograph per person. Because I mean, the man just got out of shoulder surgery, so yeah. His shoulder's only worth about 200 autographs. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be how he injured it to begin with. Yeah, probably so. Didn't you say you went to some underwater track or something, too? Oh, yeah. I went to... uh, So, I live close to Lake Lanier, which Hmm. is a man-made lake. And when they built that lake, they uh, just buried everything under it. Is it Wait, like Lanier Speedway? No, no. There is Lanier Speedway, but there's Lanier Lake, Lake Lanier, too. And so uh, when the water levels get super low, you can see the top of the concrete grandstands uh, that are sticking out from the speedway that was buried under the lake. It's called Gainesville Speedway. No shit. Yeah, so they built that track in, like, 1948. And uh, then the lake was, the area was flooded in 1956, and they just left everything under there, like the the concrete grandstands, there's apparently like a concession stand under there, the scoring pylons under there, but the lake had got low enough where I went, and you could see the very top, like two rows sticking out. So that was cool. Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you get, could you get p- pictures of that or was it just like too hard to? Uh, no, I got some pictures. I'll, I'll share them. I'd love to see that. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, yeah. Back in 2007, we had a severe drought and you could see the entire grandstands and you could go to the very bottom of the grandstands and there was like a engine block halfway buried in the mud too that had been <laughs> buried there since the you know the late 50s so oh no shit but yeah there's a lot of history of that track like tim flock and his brothers race there uh curtis turner race there uh sarah christian won a race there who was the first female driver in nascar ever so fuck it's just sitting there buried under the lake we got to do something about that. We got we got to do a broader episode. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that. So, yeah. So Gainesville Speedway, or it was also called Looper Speedway because of the owner's last name. So. Nice. That's the best plug you've ever given, and you still haven't handed your Instagram <laughs> handle out. So. <laughs> uh, Snake Mountain underscore True Love. Damn it. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. Yeah, seriously, yeah. I would I'd love to talk about that more. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, Rob Motes underscore an official is mine. Uh, there's nothing going on in my life right now. Uh, I actually, that's not true. I've been doing uh, some little video things about short track racing on my Instagram, uh, talking shit about DARFs and all that. So that's been fun. So if you like that, you can come see me there or just our page that usually ends up there too. Um, and yeah, my band, These Wild Planes, not doing a whole lot of anything until next year. So yeah. I don't have anything to sell other than uh, <laughs> my positive time. demeanor <laughs> and my love of shark race. Burt Reynolds fandom. Burt Reynolds' worst movie. That's <laughs> that's what I got to offer you. And it's still great. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right, folks. Well, if, if I'm not totally canceled, uh, 
then we'll be back next week. So uh, talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>